and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and we are gathered here today to talk about Weston McKenney moving to Juventus. It's really happening. Taylor's still on vacation, so my guest today is Italian football expert and host of the Calcioland podcast, David Amoyal. It's a great conversation and I look forward to sharing it with you. Before that, I want to make clear the Total Soccer Show fully supports and admires the decision by a majority of Major League Soccer players and teams to not play on Wednesday night in protest against continued police brutality and systemic racism in the United States following the recent shooting of Jacob Blake seven times in the back by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'd encourage TSS listeners to also support the players and I'd encourage anyone who is maybe confused by the decision not to play to stop for a moment and think why would professional soccer players take such drastic action and to consider listening to what they have to say. If you're willing to do so, and I hope you are, I'd suggest listening to Thursday's episode of Extra Time, the Major League Soccer podcast, in which six different MLS players explain what happened on Wednesday, why it happened, and what needs to change. I'd also suggest listening to a couple of recent TSS episodes in which Taylor interviewed Jeremy Obobese and Justin Morrow from the Black Players for Change organization. And also visit the Black Players for Change website, uh, blackplayersforchange.org. The link will be in the show notes. Quick note on the Allocation Disorder podcast, because this is obviously a big MLS story. Sam Stedgecott has been on vacation this week, though he ended up pitching in on some excellent coverage of Wednesday's events for The Athletic. Uh, but it means there'll be no Allocation Disorder this week. But you can expect to hear from Sam and Paul early next week, if all goes to plan. OK, let's get back to talking about Weston McKenney to Juventus, a move no one saw coming, but all American soccer fans are quite rightly very excited about. I learned a lot from this conversation with David Amoyal, and it's given me a few more thoughts about how McKenney fits in at Juve. So if you'll indulge me, please stick around until the end and I'll share a couple more thoughts. David Amoyel, welcome back to the Total Soccer Show. It's good to finally talk to you. It's a real pleasure to speak to you, Daryl. I've been wanting to chat with you for quite some time. I've always enjoyed all the other appearances on the show. Yeah, you were thinking, like, this conversation with Taylor's good, but I think it could be better if I spoke to the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) You said that, not me. We can go with that. (laughs) So we are obviously here to talk about Weston McKenney's transfer to Juventus which isn't 100% official yet, but, you know, Juve's Twitter is uh, posting video of McKenney's medical. So I think we can be 99% sure that this is about to happen any second, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Juve did have one with Patrick Schick that was a little bit out of the ordinary. But aside from that, when you get to this point, yes, I think it's all but done. I think by the time some of these people hear uh, this show, the deal might actually be fully official as well. Okay, and I've heard uh, I've heard rumors about the numbers, but I haven't seen Juventus themselves mention the numbers, which they may never do. I know teams sometimes never say what the numbers are, but what I've seen is like uh, a small fee of like three million euros or so as a loan, and then a future commitment to buy for about another eighteen or twenty million euros. Are you seeing the same? Yeah, correct. So it's going to be a fee for a loan, which in and of itself tells me a lot that Juve really believes in the player. So about three to three and a half million on the loan for next season, then an option to buy, 
I've, from what I've been told, around 16 million. There are some other bonuses attached to him. And that um, option to buy, which Juve has, actually vests formally if he appears in 60% of the games. Uh, I will tell anyone who is listening to this and is maybe puzzled by loan with option to buy, I wouldn't see it as Juve not having faith in the player. Juve very often acquires players this way, and they do it more to to, uh, put the payments on different fiscal years, spread them out more. Uh, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't permanently become a Juve player, but I wouldn't read into the loan on Juve doesn't believe in him. This is really kind of a purchase in disguise to make the financial terms more appealing. Keep in mind, Juve had some pretty big losses with COVID, asked their players to take a pay cut. So I can see why they're structuring it this way. That makes sense. I've seen a lot of people speculating on how... Weston McKenney fits in with an Andrea Perlo midfield. But before we talk about Perlo, I want to ask the bigger question of who's in charge of Juve's transfer policy? Is it the sporting director who I'm, I'm about to maybe pronounce incorrectly as Fabio Paratici? Um, is it Andrea Perlo? Is it someone else? Like, who do you think has made this decision to get Weston McKenney to Juventus? Uh, I'm fairly certain it's uh, sporting director Fabio Paratici. You came very close. Good (laughs) pronunciation. Uh, Yeah, he's very involved with the transfers. Now, look, do I think Pirlo was consulted and involved to a certain extent? Yes. I know Juve was looking at another player on Schalke for a little bit, and I have a feeling as Paratici was looking there, uh, saw something in McKinney that was very appealing to him i know we'll get to how he fits in at juve there's definitely some characteristics that stick out and but yeah i definitely think this was a paratici's decision i'm sure pirlo was involved pirlo talked about his philosophy that he wants his team to have possession and when they don't have possession to get the ball back as quickly as possible i know some people have latched on to that as kind of an endorsement of mckinney and i think there's definitely a lot to that but at juve uh, Paratici picks the players. Uh, historically, the managers aren't that involved. And that was one of the reasons why years ago, Conte didn't stay as long as many expected. So we, so we can't assume that it was like Perlo was all about, like, get me Weston McKinney. But we can at least maybe assume that uh, the sporting director, um, Mr. P, I'm going to call him, just to be, yeah. <laughs> to be super safe, um, probably at least said to Perlo, hey, we're buying this guy, we want to make sure you approve, right? Because if Polo had been dead against it, he could have vetoed it. Absolutely, no. That sounds absolutely... Worst case scenario, I would put it at that. You know, Pirlo's had a lot of meetings with the the management to talk about that. I'm sure his name came up multiple times, but that sounds about right. So you mentioned that Polo had said something about his intended playing style. If I heard you correctly, it was said, we play possession, but we win the ball back as soon as we can after we lose it, right? Is that correct? Said, yeah. Okay. So we know from watching Weston McKenney that the second part of that is what he's really, really good at. Right? Super competitive, really dynamic in terms of uh, chasing the ball down. Very often winning those competitive battles. The part I'm really interested in is the knock against Weston McKenney is, at least from us, is that he often tries to make things happen when they're not really on and will give the ball away. 
And I'm wondering if that's part of just being on a Schalke team that, you know, opportunities are few and far between to, to like create attacking moments on Schalke. They were, they've been not a good team for all, almost all the time that McKenney's been there. I'm really interested to see if he's in a Juventus team, will he still be risking losing possession? And if he does lose possession semi-regularly, is he going to be really unpopular really quickly? Well, look, this is why I think this is a, there's a lot of reasons why this is a good move for him. But I think, you know, Serie A is definitely considerably more tactical than yeah. the Bundesliga, especially in the midfield. Now, obviously, anyone who says they know what Pirlo is going to be like as a coach, uh, I mean, God bless him. I think if he's a blank canvas right now, it's hard yeah. to say. But if we know anything about Serie I mean, uh, it's very tactical. People are given very specific instructions. When I look at what Juve's midfield is starting to shape up for next season, I really see McKinney as Matuidi's replacement. Uh, to me, that's exactly who he's come, whose role he's coming to take. Matuidi was really kind of the ball winner, the dynamic midfielder in the scheme at Juve. Had his limitations beyond that, but did that role well. Matuidi is the player that appeared in the most matches, I think, total at Juve in the past three years, which really tells you a lot about how important that role is in the scheme of things. When I look at the other players, uh, when he does uh, play, he'll probably be around Bentancur, Arthur, players that are good passers. So I think it'll be a nice match for him. I, the more I learn about McKinney, the more I can see why Juve did this move. Do we expect, just in terms of shape, do we expect a three-man midfield? I know Perlo's famous for playing in a variation on a three-man midfield, right, um, for Juve and for, and for Milan. Do we expect Juve to line up that way? I would say so. I mean, looking at the way they are setting up the team and looking at their transfer targets and the positions they are really emphasizing, it looks like we're heading that way to a 4-3-3. Uh, a while back, Pirlo had done an Instagram chat with Cannavaro. And, you know, maybe there was more in jest, but Cannavaro asked him, how do you expect to play? And he said 4-3-3, very offensive-minded. Uh, but we know Juve, they're keeping Dybala and Ronaldo. Their main target is finding another central striker. So that tells me that that's going to be... The main formation, Juve's strength, I would say, is the center backs once Delict is fully healthy, once he recovers from his shoulder yeah. surgery. So is it possible that Pirlo, who was very influenced by Conte, plays with a three at the back? Yes, but then he would probably have three midfielders and then have Ronaldo and Dybala up front. So yeah, that sounds exactly like a three-man midfield would be for the most part. So you mentioned Artur. Uh, Bentancur, yeah. and then maybe McKenney, but, but there's also Kadira and Ramsey and Rabio, and maybe some players that that I've missed. So, would it for American fans? Is it too optimistic to think that McKenney is straight into this starting eleven? Probably. Um, I mean, I'll say this: uh, Kadira is almost certainly going to be released, kind of like uh, Matuidi. Wouldn't surprise me if one out of Ramsey and Rabiot is sold. I mean, those guys were signed on Bosman deals. You, they can make a really nice profit since they don't have a transfer fee to amortize. My guess is their preference would be to keep Rabiot, who actually played pretty well in the second half 
of the season. Ramsey probably still has somewhat of a market in the Premier League. So, no, I, uh, I, I think he has a, a pretty good chance. Uh, I mean, would it shock me that the main starters are Thor, Bentancourt, and Rabiot? Probably that's what we'll see a lot of. But I think McKinney definitely has a chance. I mean, Juve will be playing on a lot of fronts. The Serie A season's probably going to be delayed a little bit. There's a decent amount of COVID in Italy, so that means we'll have more games uh, in in less days, if you will. So yeah. I think he has a chance to play quite a bit. I mean, we don't know yet if Pirlo's a manager that's going to rotate a Tom, but when I look at the landscape uh, of the team, and there's really not that many people on Juve squad that have those characteristics. So that plays to his advantage for sure. And are there any more signings rumored or expected? Because the transfer window is very, very far from closed, right? So even if uh, Kadira and Ramsey do leave, would we expect anyone else to come in? I think I saw rumors about uh, Locatelli, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there will definitely be uh, another one. Um, I mean, keep in mind, Juve's midfield has definitely been rather weak in uh, recent years. You know, the days of Vidal, Pogba, Marquisio, and when Pirlo played are long gone. I mean, yeah. the drop-off from that is incredibly um, significant. And look, you know, even if Ramsey stays, I mean, how many games a year can you really count on him? I, I think they would look at that. They would be really an intriguing signing for Juve, but he's really more of a playmaker. They've been have a Bentancourt kind of in that uh, Pirlo role, if you yeah. will, but that's I wouldn't say that's his best, best role. So uh, I think they look at Locatelli as someone to bring in. And there's been some people that talk about Awar from Lyon, who would be a great move. Oh, but I really yeah. don't see Juve being able to afford him. Juve is kind of really in a tough bind uh, financially. I don't think at the point that they need to sell, but they need to be very cautious with uh, who they bring in. So look, you know... Um, if you told me McKinney gets that incentive that he appears in 60% of Juve's games and look, a decent amount of them as a sub, you told me, you know, what's the over-under on that happening? I would say it's more likely that he goes over that 60% than he doesn't. I've got to say, as a U.S. men's national team fan and, you know, obviously someone who wants McKinney to do really well, your idea of him essentially being the Matuidi replacement, I mean, that really makes sense to me and it makes me maybe feel more confident that that's more of a defined role that even given the caliber of those other players you know who I'm relatively familiar with I would argue in terms of just the winning the ball back part of it I'd say McKenney is possibly the best at doing that already um, in this team in terms of uh, energy and covering yeah. the field and tracking the ball down yeah look uh, a Juve fan would tell you that doesn't say much and i think that's yeah. exaggerated but yeah i totally agree there like they flat out matuidi again i go back to the fact that i was surprised to read that matuidi ended up being the player that played the most in the past three years but then you're like geez you know who else does that on Juve squad and you're like really no one and now he's gone so yeah it, it makes a lot of sense i think there should be cautious optimism on how much he'll play and then I guess we'll also be watching for, you know, those, those slightly rough edges that I'd mentioned earlier where maybe he was a bit overly enthusiastic um, with the ball. Sometimes maybe even overly enthusiastic in terms of trying to trying to go and win the ball back, right? There's sometimes um, in Italy, but everywhere really, there's 
there's a time to just hold your position and not go chasing the ball, right? Um, so my, my question would be, if McKenney does show some of uh, <laughs> too much enthusiasm and maybe makes some what you would call uh, tactical mistakes on a sort of individual level, how much patience will Juve as an organisation have with him? How much patience will Juve fans have with, with him? How will he be judged in Serie A if he makes any early mistakes like that? Um, you know, what's really interesting to me is uh, Italy is a uh, very parochial when it comes to players. I think North American players historically in Italy, you know, weren't viewed as someone that really worthy to target. And so far, there's only been four American players that have actually played in the Serie A match. But I think so much has changed in this Champions League, like seeing two North American players do so well deep deep into the tournament has really changed the tide and you know i cover transfers in italy and i really noticed that people were like hey you know maybe we really should be looking at this market like these players really have appeal marketing we can also probably get them at a price that's pretty advantageous keep in mind maybe more like uh, classic nationalities uh, like the pedigree can be a lot more expensive so i think the tide has really turned there and maybe now there'll be more patience in the sense that we've seen these results of these north american players elsewhere and i i think the concern you have i would say again i go back to how tactical sedia is and uh, managers are pretty strict with those sorts of things i think it could be a great development opportunity for him and the u.s national team will certainly benefit from it yeah, I guess sometimes the the best way to learn something is to be presented with the hardest, yeah. <laughs> toughest version of it, right? Because then you don't, you don't sure. have any choice. Yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned there are only four Americans to play in Serie A. And you must know that once you say that, our listeners are going to be thinking, wait, who are those four? So it's definitely Alexi Lalas back in the 90s. Yeah, it's and def- he played for my hometown team in Padova. Oh, nice. That big affection for... Alexi. Then there was Josh Perez played one game for Fiorentina. Yep. Then uh, the one that I got in the fight with Ibrahimovic or Gunwick. Agucianyeu, uh, the centre back. Yeah, Agucianyeu. And then there was another that I think was pretty prominent. Let me. It's Michael look. Bradley at Roma. Michael Bradley, of course, the most obvious one and the player that I think McKinney, for better or worse, has been compared to the most. Yeah, that's interesting because U.S. men's national team fans listening right now would not agree because Bradley has become much less mobile. But the Bradley that joined Roma back in the day, definitely he was. We used to call him the apex predator because he would roam the field um, hunting down the ball. But I think U.S. fans will find that interesting because not many people make that make that comparison um anymore um i want to look at bigger picture at juve again this this thing of signing um a younger western mckinney right he just turned 22 today i learned that thanks to to juve's twitter congratulating him <laughs> on his birthday and his medical um is is there a juve pivot to maybe signing younger players that will have a, a sell-on value because i noticed you know they spent big on cristiano ronaldo and you mentioned that maybe they've uh, they're in a bit of financial trouble and they've got to balance the books a little bit so does this represent a change in approach for juve or or is this McKenny signing just kind of a one-off no you're absolutely right it's definitely a change in approach look once they were eliminated with Lyon their uh, president Andrea Agnelli said you know we have one of the oldest squads in the Champions League we have to do something 
about this. So it wasn't surprising that Matuidi, they even took a loss on him just to have him move on. They told Higuain the same. They told Kadira the writings on the wall for him in the past. Juve would have been reticent to take losses on those types of players, but they just want to move on. Uh, you know, Arthur is definitely considerably younger than Pjanic. I think that was a really nice move from them. And their big purchase so far is uh, Kuruzevski, who uh, is the best young player in Serie A. Maybe a lot of the listeners might not be familiar with him, but he's sensational. He was at Parma this season on loan from Atalanta. So you look at the players that Juve is bringing in much younger. The year before, Delict, they went all in on him. Yeah, they had spent a lot on Ronaldo to, for the Champions League and marketing. But aside from that, they've tried to invest in younger players. I definitely think having resale value down the road is part of that. But I think in general, Juve wanted fresher legs, I think, to... You're seeing a lot of the top teams in Europe really are taking that approach. Uh, some teams just won't invest in older players. So I think Juve is kind of joining that trend. Does this mean that we can expect a little bit of the Juve dominance to start weakening if they're signing younger players? I know they only won Serie A by, what, one point last season? Yeah. Like, are we expecting a transition where maybe they can't just like essentially just stroll to the league title every season? Well, look, uh, I would say right now, as we're recording in this precise moment, if you ask me who's the favorite to win the next Serie A title, I would pick Inter over mm. Juve. They have a team that, especially with Hakimi yeah. coming in, they were just one point behind Juve. They almost won the Europa League. They've made, uh, you know, they're linked to some intriguing players. They have Conte. I look at Pirlo as a blank canvas. I mean, it's really a big gamble that Juve went. With that, but it's also uh, intriguing. Uh, I'm curious that Juve made this decision when they have Ronaldo at 35, but I think they are confident enough that Pirlo is just going to grow in this role. And again, you know, they still have some of the players that contributed to a lot of these recent titles. Uh, but I definitely see Juve a little bit. Maybe transition isn't the right word, but there's more uncertainty than there's been in recent years. And they definitely look more vulnerable than they ever have, probably since the year that uh, Conte left and Allegri came in and everyone thought the sky was falling at Juve. This feels like the most uncertain time since then. Hey, this is Daryl cutting in to let you know that today's show is sponsored by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So say you're a sporting director looking to put dinner together. You're a dinner director. Um, I'm going to be the agent for HelloFresh. I'm going to tell you why you should sign my client. First of all, HelloFresh helps you save time. Uh, it can help you cut out the stressful meal planning and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or maybe even less. Second, we've got to talk variety. HelloFresh offers many delicious options every week. Break you out of your recipe rut. If you're looking to uh, to sign something new, freshen up your team, uh, HelloFresh is what you need to go with. I think this analogy is working. Stick with me. Stick with me. Third, sustainability. HelloFresh offsets their operations, travel and shipping emissions. And so their carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery made meals. That's according to the University of Michigan. It's a very good school. My wife went there. Fourth, let's talk flexibility. Got to be flexible these days. And HelloFresh lets you easily change your delivery days or your food preferences. And you can even skip a week whenever you need. 
This is not like that Alexis Sanchez contract that Manchester United definitely regretted. Okay, if you're convinced, then let's talk money. I can offer you $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. Here's how. You go to hellofresh.com slash 80TSS and you use code 80TSS. That's for $80 off your first month, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit hellofresh.com for more details. And one more time, the URL is hellofresh.com slash 80TSS. That's 80TSS. And the code is 80TSS, 80TSS. The link will be in the show notes. Okay, enough of my foolishness, at least for now. Let's get back to talking to David Amoyel. I'm also thinking about potential obstacles for Weston McKinney. I... I don't know if he speaks Italian or not. I'm going to assume he doesn't just because there's been no reason for him to learn Italian until this sure. point. I know he's a smart guy. I know he's probably learning it right now and he'll get there. But um, is it an issue for players to come to Italy without speaking Italian? To a certain extent. I mean, I look at Delict, who really embraced uh, learning Italian, had a tutor at Juve. Like, Juve does a very good job uh, with this. So... I'm sure it it will help. I mean, keep in mind on the bright side, uh, most of Juve squad is foreign, right? I mean, in years past, uh, for a long time, we always associated as Juve being very Italian and really giving uh, the backbone, if you will, of the Italian national team. Those days are really in the past. So the team is very foreign. Uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure he'd be by no means the only one who doesn't have close to to uh, prominent Italians. I, I don't see that as a big issue. All right, that's great. Uh, other potential obstacles, um, uh, McKenney's non-EU citizenship, right? As I understand it, he only has an American passport. What are the rules in Serie A about uh, non-EU players? It's a great question. So teams can only add uh, two uh, non-EU players every transfer session. So this is going to curb Juve's ability to sign other ones that don't have an EU passport. And you know what? You make such a good point there. I hadn't even thought of that angle. And that in and of itself tells me a lot that Juve believes in him because we have till October 5th to do transfers. So Juve is kind of limiting what they can do down the road. So great question and great point. And even more, that tells me that Juve really does believe in him. I also, I just want to um, give myself some wiggle room and say, I'm not 100% sure that Ke- McKenney doesn't have maybe a German sure. passport, but I'm pretty sure... sure pretty sure that he doesn't and just for listeners who don't quite understand um essentially non-eu means brazilians and argentinians and all kinds of really high profile players that you you could add to the squad so but based on what you just said it's a limit on how many you can non-eu players you can buy per transfer um window it's not there's not a limit on how many can be in the squad or how many can be in a match day squad or anything like that Correct. Correct. And, you know, it's very common for big clubs like Juve, once they've exceeded that limit, to buy a player and then park them at a friendly team, like a team like Sassuolo, Parma and whatnot. They've had players from Juve and Inter when they already had players over that EU slot and they'd put them on a team that still had a slot available and then the year after. But the fact that Juve didn't do this with McKinney and it would be too late pretty much at this point to do that, uh, to me, that that really says a lot about how much they believe in him. So, yeah, there seems little chance of him being loaned out by Juve. No, that, I don't that was my it. first thought, to be honest, when I saw this transfer, that it's so big that I thought maybe he'd be spending a year somewhere else. <laughs> I don't... I don't 
Based on the formula, the deal, I'd be shocked if that happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. With the sixty percent. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Course. Yeah. Um, okay. The other the other big thing that I think a lot of people um, thought of when they saw this transfer is the uh, like the potential uh, for racism in Syria. I mean, Juve had the incident. I know you talked to Taylor about this in depth, where Moise Keane was the victim of racial abuse and yeah. uh, Benucci. Um, I think he retracted his comments afterwards, but he sort of suggested it was somehow Moise Ken's fault that he'd been racially abused. I mean, I guess my, my big question is, um, how do you see the issue now in Serie A? Like, is it so widespread that McKenney should just expect to face this at some point? Or, or, or is it not something that you expect to happen? Well, look, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to minimize this in every way because definitely it's uh, definitely something as someone who grew up in Italy and covers Italian football and loves Italy. It's something I'm certainly not proud of. There's been way too many examples of this being bad. And look, is it possible that he's going to have to unfortunately deal with something like this? Yes. I will say, though, that you know, Matuidi, who was at Juve, and even he himself was a victim of this, had nothing but great things to say about his time at Juve and Serie A, even with being essentially released and forced out the door. And I know they weren't just uh, things that he said. Even Osman, who just signed for Napoli, at first there was talk that he saw racism as a big problem. Then he talked to Koulibaly, who had has been the victim multiple times of this. And he was reassured that, yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, a reality uh, that happens in Italian football. But there's also plenty of examples of team rallying around that. I will say this. I thought last season we made some really good progress on this that I haven't seen in years past. I think especially clubs like Roma and Milan deserve a ton of credit for this. I think they've done a great job promoting uh, an anti-racism campaign. I think the big clubs in Italy now really get like how bad this is for the marketing of the league and how much this really holds Serie A back. I have to say, you know, what, what's impressed me that's changed a little bit and now it's not just the big teams that have, you know, an international brand. Even the smaller teams that really rely on their local fans for almost all their revenues that in the past, you know, looked the other way when their fans didn't behave well are really starting to get it. So I'm cautiously optimistic that McKinney's coming at a time where there already has been changed. I think even having just a figure like Lukaku and Serie and Smalling to a lesser extent if he comes back to Roma, I mean, those players did a ton themselves, but the clubs are doing a lot as well. So I'm cautiously optimistic that McKinney is joining a situation that's definitely improving. That's good to hear. Um, I guess the other question is, is, for someone like me, I'm suddenly now going to be watching a lot of Juventus, which Great. I'm assuming is going to be much more pleasurable than watching Schalke for the last two, three years, because it, it was a tough watch watching Schalke the last two or three years. Is there anything about Juventus that maybe people who are watching really in a weird like U.S. national team kind of way, is there anything we should know about watching Juventus? 
Great question. Well, look, you know, uh, Pirlo, again, it's very hard to tell, you know, what he's going to be like. But based on what he was like as a player and what he's saying, I think he's going to continue to try to do the things that Sarri was trying to implement. Uh, I think, you know, watching Juve, you know, you're going to see Ronaldo still has uh, plenty left. Uh, You know, it's kind of interesting. Ronaldo was brought in really for the Champions League and marketing. Uh, I think he's done his part in the Champions League scoring goals. The rest of the team, not so much. So you're, But without him, they wouldn't have won the title that they just won. So you're going to see Ronaldo still has plenty left. I think Dybala has been a fascinating player. I think the best thing Sarri did at Juve was kind of really get Dybala back to where he was. So that's going to be very interesting. I think Delict once he comes back, from the shoulder surgery. Um, I I think on Twitter, you probably didn't get a good reflection of how good he was for Juve this season. And then they have these young players that are exciting. Like I mentioned Kuluzevski earlier. He's been as fun as a player as I've seen. Where does he play? What what sort of position does he play? So he's been an offensive winger for Parma in a 4-3-3. Him and Gervinho just devastating Mm. on the counterattack. Uh, but he also can play behind two strikers as a trequartista, and he came up as a midfielder. So definitely must watch. If people want to check him out on YouTube, you'll have a lot of fun watching him. So this is a team that's interesting because, you know, you have Ronaldo, Chiellini, Bonucci, you have Buffon as the backup keeper, kind of these old senators. But you do have quite a few of these young uh, up-and-coming players. So this will be a fun Juve to watch. And one that you know, if you will, you don't know for sure that they're going to win the title, right? So it's, I think in a lot of ways, it's much more fun. There's going to be more ebbs and flows to the season. And how how does Ronaldo fit into the team culture? Does he sort of, you know how like Messi kind of dominates at Barcelona and it's almost like maybe he has too much weight and too, too much is on him. Is it a similar setup with Cristiano Ronaldo? Like, do we see him strolling around the field, not doing anything and just demanding the ball? Or is he sort of all in and part of the team culture? So it's a it's a tale of two cities with that. Um, look, you know, anyone who watched the second leg of Lyon Juve, it almost felt like really Ronaldo was by himself, like carrying the whole team on his back and everyone else was just waiting for him to do something and said, yeah, probably not. As much, you know, what's interesting about Ronaldo and ultimately I think the, the main reason Sarri was let go is the two of them didn't click. Sarri wanted him to play as, as a straight up center forward. Ronaldo didn't really want to go for that. I think Sarri would have really liked for him and Dybala to press on the opponents when Juve loses the ball. That didn't really happen. Let's see if Pirlo gets if they listen mm. to uh, a former superstar like Pirlo. But look, I, I, I think Ronaldo's been really a terrific player for Juve. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely some things that they've asked him to do that maybe he said, uh, no thanks in the Champions League, sure, and said, yeah, maybe not so much. Uh, but, you know, he hasn't been a dominating figure off the pitch that much. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. So we'll be looking to see if like Ronaldo and McKinney are pressing together in the first, the first game of the maybe season. Maybe they're bringing, maybe McKinney is going to have to press for Ronaldo to do his part. <laughs> maybe he could teach him how to do it. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, David, is there anything else we need to know um, about Serie A this season? Like any any teams we should be on the lookout for, like outside of the obvious big, big teams? Well, look, I, I think Atalanta is one of yeah. uh, really the best storylines in all of, um, of European football. I mean, even look at how close they came to take out PSG, Atalanta is definitely a fascinating team. They are ambitious. They are linked to some intriguing players. They are probably going to keep almost all their top players. I didn't expect them to qualify for the Champions League for a second time. Not only did they do that, they were the Italian team that went the furthest in the Champions League playing as fun a style as anyone in Europe, uh, you know, Inter, I think, is going to really challenge Juve for the title. So I don't think next season. I mean, dude, we're going to see a serious title run in Serie A. Milan's doing a lot of intriguing things. We have a new ownership group for Roma, an American ownership group, the Friedkin group, who is quite ambitious. So I think Serie A is definitely a very intriguing league to watch. I'm very excited that there's an American player that's going to give even more incentive for people to watch i think the coverage on espn plus is uh, superb i know it's an app it's not on live tv but it's really great value they do superb job yeah. i think the games on tv with matteo bonetti is a great commentary it's really really a fun league i get i absolutely get the reservations there are but i will say it's not by no means is it the boring and defensive league that it's often referred to there are plenty of teams that don't play that style uh, while atalanta is a team that a lot of people know if you want to be kind of a hipster i would <laughs> recommend sassuolo as a superb team to watch their manager did zerbi i always say if barcelona really wanted to be bold that's who i would hire he fits their style really really well um so yeah that and napoli is another intriguing team gattuso has done very well since replacing ancelotti they are a very ambitious team this season so it should be fascinating the title run should be very interesting we have six seven teams competing for four champions league spots we have fiorentina with rocco comiso who's definitely a very fun character very ambitious so it's definitely a fun time for Serie A. And I would recommend to our listeners, um, if they want to hear a Serie A podcast, uh, maybe Calcioland. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for the plug. Yeah, we do uh, twice a week. Right now we are focused a lot on transfers, not just Serie A. But, uh, you know, we try to cover all teams. I have uh, guests every week. We try to rotate. Uh, this week, we took a deep dive on Roma. If you want to learn about the Friedkin group, you want to hear about Palotta's legacy, where Roma's headed. We have yeah. a fun episode. You, had the, guy that, you that. had the guy that broke the story, basically, right? Oh, uh, Solano. Yeah, is a great friend of mine. Yeah, he did a unbelievable reporting on that. So we went deep on the reporting of the story. We talked about Palotta, where Roma's heading. So... I think you'll enjoy it. And yeah, if you're into transfers, you know, I'm a transfer junkie. I like really <laughs> going deep into the finances and explaining everything. So right now you'll have a lot of that. And once Serie A starts again, we'll be covering that closely. So thank you for the plug. Of course. Yeah. Um, and David, thank you for taking the time to, to talk to me today. Really enjoyed it. 
It was a real pleasure, Daryl. Thank you so much for having me. I love your guys' show, and it's a real honor to be featured on it. And I'm going to tell Tyler that you enjoy talking to me more than him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good diplomatic oh. answer again. Thank you, Daryl. There you go. All right, it's Daryl here on my own. I just want to share a couple of Weston McKenney thoughts now that I've spoken to David and got a good feel for what's going on at Juventus. I think that Blaise Matuidi replacement idea might be exactly where Weston McKenney fits in. And you'll have noticed during the interview just, I was maybe a little down on McKenney or at least maybe emphasizing some of his perceived flaws when I talked about him maybe being in a hurry and giving up possession and would that work at Juventus. Here's what I'm excited about after talking to David and after giving this some thought. When McKenney's at Schalke, in some ways it was all on him to try and make something happen and so I understand him feeling pressured to make something happen. What we're about to see is when McKenney plays, and again I understand he's not going to start all the time, but he is going to play he will be surrounded by the best players he's ever played with. And what I think that could mean is we see McKenney in a facilitator kind of role, where he'll be a huge addition in terms of winning the ball back. And yeah, we'll see the trademark drive forward. But then there's no pressure to beat three more guys or to hit the killer pass. You can just give it short to Cristiano Ronaldo or Paulo Dybala. Because the pressure is off his young shoulders to make something happen, which is kind of what the situation was at Schalke. And I'm really aware that with the interview with David, I didn't really talk about what McKenney offers in the attack because McKenney does offer something to the attack. And what I really like as an idea is, you know, all eyes on Ronaldo, all eyes on Dybala, and then McKenney arriving late and surprising some Serie A defences. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm really aware that maybe McKenny could make a slow start. It's a big thing to move to Serie A, to move to Italy, to play for a team like Juventus for the first time. But I think as US fans and as analysts, it's worth drawing on our experience with Christian Pulisic. If he doesn't make the perfect start, let's not panic. Give him time. And I've got a really strong feeling that given a full season, we'll be able to look back and things will be looking pretty good for Weston McKenney at Juventus. I'm feeling pretty confident. Final note on this, tip of the hat to Weston McKenney's agent. So Weston McKenney is with Wasserman Media Group, hashtag Team Was and all that. His agent is Corey Gibbs. It was Corey Gibbs that you saw on the plane with McKenney as he went to get his medical. It's really worth considering that this is a player who was linked with um, Southampton and Newcastle and other non-Champions League teams. And they did say all along that they wanted to get Weston McKenney to a team that's playing in Europe. And that's what they've done. This is a big move that they've accomplished. Okay, enough from me. I promise Taylor will be back next week. So Total Soccer Show will be back to the Daryl and Taylor Show. I'm sure we'll talk about Weston McKenney some more. The plan is to talk about a lot of other transfers that have happened all around the world that we haven't managed to talk about just yet. Thanks one more time to David Amoyel for being my guest today. Listeners, thank you for listening and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>